tell me when was the last time you went to a live show? It's been a little while. I mean, the last big concert I saw was probably uh, Kings of Leon. Oh, sick. Um, that was out in Michigan. That was, I don't know, that was almost 10 years ago. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, I was like, I, whoa, did I, they do like a reunion <laughs> tour? <laughs> no, you didn't, you didn't miss anything. Okay. But uh, I, I do like to go out to live music, you know, especially here in LA. I try to get out as much as possible. Last time I was in town, hit up the uh, the BMI showcase over at uh, Hotel Cafe. Okay. You know, I, I like going over there. There's a lot of uh, great indie artists going through there. But uh, it, it's a laid back, you know, they're always pretty laid back, chill shows. Mm -hmm. What was the last thing you saw? Dude, a couple of months back, went to go see the band Jungle. Jungle? Yeah. Oh, Jungle's sick, man. Yeah, did you got to Did it. they welcome you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah, no, um, great group, like funk, disco, just killer vibes. Like, yeah, we saw them here in LA at the Forum and just real high energy, like good mm. vibes. It was just cool, man. Um, yeah, me and my girl, best friend, his girl, yeah, cool show, good music. The time before that, I think I went to go see, that was a year ago, I went to go see Kendrick Lamar in the Big Steppers tour. Okay. So that, again, great show. He did music from like all his albums. Um, killer performer. But yeah, love seeing live shows, love seeing live music. It's something about the energy yeah. in the room and just the bass that you feel like through your feet that just like lifts up your whole body. Like yeah, when it when it's almost like this collective experience, so yeah. you, know, you can just feel the energy from everyone around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, our next guest is somebody who really hones in on that energy when it comes to performing live shows. He's had the opportunity to tour with many famous artists. His music can be heard on major television networks. And this guy has produced music from all types of genres, anything you can think of. Listeners, don't forget to check out our website at www.indielosangeles.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast and enjoy the episode. When I go do an album, I go watch one of their videos. I go watch the Jimmy Hendrix video. I go watch Nirvana before they start the videos. Then I just get fired up again. I go look at that crowd, listen to that music. To this day, my music is just like that. Gritty, hard, in your face, and don't care. All right, we're here in the studio with the Indie LA Experience, and we have with us Zoo, hip-hop artist, producer, lead singer in the band Berserk. Zoo, thanks for being on the podcast hey, with us. Hey, nice to be here, folks. Good evening, everyone, at whatever time it is in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yes. Welcome. Yeah, so we want to jump right into it. We want to hear about your background in music, how you got started, okay. who your influences are. That's up, baby, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Zoo in the building, producer, artist. And an artist means everything. I'm not like a regular artist. You just do one thing. I'm an artist of many things. So my journey begins in Jamaica. Bummer, my dad was from Jamaica. He moved to Indiana to work at a Ford Motor Company. He does cars, like big factory cars. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so he had my mom's. So when he met my mom's, then I came out. <laughs> That's why now I have no Jamaican accents. I look Jamaican, but I don't speak Bumaclaud or Rastafari, none of that. <laughs> All right. English kind of thing. So that journey begins in a dysfunctional family. When I say dysfunctional, this them talking about the dysfunction that you see on TV. Okay. The torture, the beating, the runaway. So I ran away like nine times. Mm. And after the nine times I ran away, I finally got away from my dad because some kind of way, every time I run away, he, he always finds me. Or my grandmama hide me at her house. So 
I got tired of her defending me. So I ran away. So I came to Los Angeles. Okay. So when I came to Los Angeles, I stayed on the streets for like three years. I was 13. I took my, I used to have a paper route because my dad said everybody in the family has to work. So I took my paper route money, got on the Greyhound bus. It was 160 bucks. Came to Los Angeles, figured out the way to hustle on the streets. And then I ran into a friend of mine who was uh, in the music. Back when I was in the music, I didn't really wasn't in the music because my dad was a preacher. So when my dad was a preacher, we didn't listen to nothing but sub church, mm-hmm. church music. So I listened to the harmonies. I liked the, the vocals of how the lead singer is and like 30 other people in the back. So I just always remember that. So we couldn't listen to nothing else, so I took that with me. So I came to Los Angeles for my friend, go, hey, Zoo, I need you to go to a concert, which I've never been to a concert. Only concert I've ever been to was church choirs concerts like James Cleveland and um, most of all the church choir. So when I went to the concert, the lights went out. It was all dark. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I heard a big old sound like, mm-hmm. I go, what the hell? Yeah. I looked over in the audience, mm-hmm. and I heard this big ass voice, my bass, how low can you go? It was public in I go, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> then he had the sidekick with a flavor for like, yeah. The music going, you go. I go, oh shit, that's what I want to do. You were hooked, yeah. I was hooked after that. Then he go, man, got other shit. He just introduced me to all New York rappers. Then he introduced me to Karis One. I go, fuck, I like this dude. Then he introduced me to the Fushnickens, yeah, Dos Effects. So ever since then, I've been hooked on doing music. Then after that, he took me to another concert in the LA Sports Arena. The lights went down again. And he had some music playing. What the fuck? Big ass dude, brown hair, blue pants on, big ass shoes. He came out and go, oh yeah, it's Dr. Funkenstein. I was George Clinton. <laughs> so George Clinton, his influence was, he tuned the guitars to the bass. Huh, okay. The, with the gritty sound, plus the keyboards on top. After that, I've been listening to music ever since. Ohio Players, Prince. Uh, Raging Against the Machine, Lincoln Park. So after that, after I heard all these music in DMC, I go, I don't even know what I do to do. I need to start me a band too. So what my original plan was to get an all black band to play rock music and funk. Cool. And my journey for getting an all rock band to play funk was hard. Because everybody that wants to play in the music all did hip hop. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't get none of the brothers to play uh, guitar. I go, hey, hey, I'm over in South Central Los Angeles, down the street where Nipsey Hussle got killed. At. So I'm over in there for the last ten years. I run an ad all on the thing. I can't get no brothers to play no music. All the brothers want to do just a little keyboard you get from Guitar Center. Everybody don't play that. Yeah, but no rock and no funk or nothing like that. No mm-hmm. rock and no front. Mm-hmm. So down the street was my friend. Uh, Dirty Walk from Fishbone. So I I know him when he started his band. And then he said, you know what you need to do, Zoo? Just start your band just by yourself. Just play shit on the phone and only record it and just record it and just send out emails to everybody that, that plays music. So after that, I sent the emails out and all the white boys came and played music. Hmm, yeah. So basically, they played the funk like I want beside the colors. <laughs> I go, fuck it. So I go, let's go with that. So I got me a guitar player, I got me a bass player, and got me a drummer. So we just go rehearse 
I write the songs. I just hear music in my head all the time. Yeah. So my songwriting, I hear music in my head. I put it on the phone. I call the bass player up, tell him to play. He plays that. The guitar plays it, then I write the lyrics down, one song. And in the songwriting process is melodies, rhythm, beats, or whatever. And so I started a band. So I needed a, a name that would get to the point. I need something so you don't have to guess like. So you hear a band like Google Dolls, you go, what is that? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that don't sound like a thing. You hear a band like uh, Mudvayne. What the fuck is that? So I wanted a name like Berserk that's to the point. You already know it's going to be some wild shit. Yeah. And it's crazy. And it's right to the point. So I came up with the name Berserk. And ever since then, I've been sticking with that. We've been on tour, played with Prince, POW, 311. And then after that, I go, you know what? Since I can do right music for the band, I can do hip hop. So what I did was I took this from Prince. You know, Prince got Prince right. Then okay. he changed it to Jamie, Jamie Starr. And then he changed it to the family. So what I did was I play hip hop and I changed my name to the solo project is on Planet Zoo. It's just one word on Planet Zoo. So in that music, it's just all hip hop. It's uh, reggae, it's dubstep, it's trap. And with that, I did a song with Old Dirty Bastard's son, okay. Wu-Tang. And I did songs with, uh, tours with Buster Rhyme. Oh, the Liquid Crew. Okay. And exhibit. So all that. So basically touring with those guys and touring with the band thing. So I was trying to get my music into a publishing. So every time I do put my music, most, you know, like on some of the ads, put your songs in sync and get it on TV and writing. Yep. They always turn me down. So this one particular time I sent my song to a publishing company. So they liked my songs. So ever since then, I've been writing for a publishing company. So they call me the Jingle Man. All right, that's awesome. I, nice. I, I do jingles for a publishing company, and outside of that, I um, I do balancing work too. So okay. basically, I'm, I'm all over the place to, to make money and to do my craft kind of thing. Yeah, and just yeah. be in the industry wherever yeah, you can. Exactly. Yes, yeah. I want to kind of go back to your your upbringing in the in the church. How do yeah. you feel like the the music you heard there developed you as an artist? Oh, I figured that music helped me enough with the church music, because it's all rhythm and blues. It's all rhythm, whatever you call it, at that time it was called church music. The melodies, the rhythm, the the, the tempos, the harmonies, whatever the uh, subject is about, mm -hmm. it's all rhythm and it sounds and tempo of the structure is mostly the same thing, it's all rhythm. It just, Melody, rhythm, melody, rhythm. That's yeah. all I developed. It's melodies and rhythm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that, um, at least from my experience, I was kind of like timid to play in church just because I had never like played in, uh -huh. in front of like a big audience. Okay. Like, you know, I played the saxophone, so my my parents always like encouraged me to go up there. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't really get uh, an opportunity to like develop my ear, but. I know that like my friends that I know who started in church yeah. bands, like they developed that ear, they developed yeah. that like that sense for melody and like rhythm that you're talking yeah. about. And it really helps you, like it structures you for sure. Yeah, but you have to realize when you're in the church, that's conditioning you. It's like five nights a week for eight hours. Yeah. Rhythms, tamarind, beats, hearing the same one song. The first song I ever had to sing in front of the church, my dad goes go up there, you better go practice, yes, Jesus love me. So okay. I wanted to go listen. Yes, Jesus loves me. All in front of all these people. Like, what the fuck? 
So we had to learn that. So that's my first song I ever had to learn. Okay. In, in, in church. Yeah. So you've been performing from a young age then. Yeah. yeah. Since you're a kid. Um, seven. Okay. I wouldn't say I was already was on key, but I, I had got the uh, the techniques down to learn rhythms and beat. That was like one of the mandatory kind of things. So my mom's told me when I was raised in the church when I was was a kid, she said, when you go out there to Los Angeles, you need to go find your own stuff because what your daddy taught you ain't the only path. So she said, you go out there and find your own path and your own spirituality kind of thing. Mm. So ever since then, I've been reading um, Buddhism, chakra, meditation book, uh, Muslim, every religion I dabbled into to read, to develop some kind of sense of some spirituality kind of thing. Sure. So that path left me to, it's just, just an open book. Like I tell my mom, she said, how many, she's, she was a Christian. She said, how many ways there to get to Jesus Christ? I go, that's an easy kind of question, mom. I go, how many ways I can get to your house? <laughs> I, go, I can walk, I can get a ride, I can skateboard, I can get an Uber, I can take a helicopter. There's many ways, it's just not one math because she was raised in, in the old school way. There's just one way mm-hmm. to get um, to see Christ, she says. Because my dad used to teach me all the time. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, boy, you're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. He drove that in my head since I was a kid. I go, sorry, Dad. He said, you better be reading all them technology books. Uh, Minister Farrakhan and Ram Dass and Neville Garter. He got you all brainwashed and technology kind of thing. So I go, no, Dad. There's just many ways to... Uh, Preached Christ, however you say, but then he finally died. Though he died like seven years ago, yeah. he had four stage cancer. Yeah. So when he died, I didn't really feel nothing because he was dead while he was living. Uh, so he was on one side of that earth, I was on one side, but so we never crossed the path no more after that. So I didn't really feel nothing when my dad died. So you just wanted to be like, um, like as open about spirituality as possible. Exactly, you yeah. wanted to learn from a bunch of different cultures. Yeah, because basically, you know, when you're a kid, you're open-minded, and your teachers are the first people that you know is your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that you know. Like, like the Indian guy, he taught me that it was an elephant, but like this, right? And he changed the chain on the elephant's foot, so the elephant every time he walked, he pulled him. That's all the elephant know. He pulled him. So when the elephant got 13, he was huge. Took the thing off his thing, he wouldn't go no farther. And the thing been off his foot for nine years, he didn't know it. Wow. Cause the elephant got conditioned when he was a baby, he go this far, he pull his foot. Hmm. Same condition as I was when I was a kid. I was only background I knew and didn't know how to branch out to them until I broke away and figured out my own. Well, let's get into why you chose Los Angeles. You said that, um, you know, you're talking to your mom yeah. about it, and she is saying, like, oh, when you mm-hmm. get to L.A., do this, do that. But what made you want to come out here? Uh, well, what made me want to come out here? Because my mom, she tried to run away, like, five times, too. Like, my dad used to work, and she used to try to run away, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. So one day when my dad was went to work, her brother came and said, we moving your mom to L.A., so when you get older, she'll be out there to get you guys. So when my mom moved to L.A., when I got 13, I didn't know where in L.A. she was. All I know is I took the bus and came to L.A. to look for her. It took me two years to find her. Oh, wow. I didn't know where she was. And then two years later, my her brother called me and go, your mom's in L.A. She's in South Central. Mm-hmm. So he go, here's her address. I went out and found her. When I found her, she was in a relationship with somebody else. I go, nah, we getting out of here. And so... Me and her moved out. Okay. Yeah. 
It would have been anywhere, but she happened to choose L.A. Okay. This, this wasn't a place I really wanted to go. I just came out here to, to start a new life. Mm-hmm. I didn't really come out here to do music or nothing. Okay. But she told me, once you come in Los Angeles, you got to make a career of yourself. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? You got to do something you like for a living. I go, oh. Hmm. So that's how I came to Los Angeles. Uh, and you were, you were 13, you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a brave move for a 13-year-old moving across country. Oh, man, that wasn't nothing to get out of there. If you're a kid and you get tired of getting views and nothing's happening, and then I cursed the God at the time, hey, well, why you want to make this stop? Mm-hmm. So that was the only way I can get out of that or kill him. Mm-hmm. One time my daddy was beating me. He was beating me and the kids. I go, I ain't crying no more. He go, yeah, it's time for you to go. Mm-hmm. I go, I ain't crying no more. I go, it seemed like you're getting off beating us while we cry. So he beating me, I didn't cry. He go, yeah, I think it's time for you to go all the way up too. But he wanted me to leave, but he actually didn't want me to leave. But I left anyway. I told my brother's sister, I go, when y'all wake up in the morning, I'll be y'all, and they go, nah, you ain't, you'll be gone. Hmm. So I left the note, bam, gone. He go, Zoo's really gone. I go, yeah, I'm out of here. I ain't talked to my family since then. Only my one brother, rest of my other family, 30 years now. Oh, wow. No apology, no sorry, mm-hmm. no I forgive you. But they Christian, though. They all thinking they're going to heaven. Uh, they still do they Christian. That's quite the journey, man. I know, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me hear about um, some of those, like, transitions of, like, while you were in Los Angeles, like, how you got to publishing your music, how you got to, like, touring with these different bands, like... How did one thing lead to another? It sounds like they kind of all like connected a little bit. Okay. So when I came to Los Angeles, after I finished doing the band, I got in hustle mode. So I looked up all the bands that I like. I like Raging Scene, I like Linkin Park, I like Hip, P-E-P-O-D. Okay. So I went to they fucking show. Yeah. So when I went to their show, I got like, God, here's my CD, man. She gonna let me open up for you. My, I rock spots, dude, trust me, dude. So. My boy, uh, Dirty Walk, he said, come to one of our shows. When I went to one of the Dirty Walk shows, I met one of their tour manager dudes. I go, dude, let me open up a fishbone. So after I opened up a fishbone, then they see that I know I rock the crowds. They go, hey, man, you know what? You go open up a head PE too. Okay. So I got all the band's emails, so I just sent out all the emails. <laughs> Berserk, here's what my, one of my shows I did. I sent them a film of one of the shows I did. Mm-hmm. So after that, those dudes told another dude, hey man, we need an opener. Go get Berserk. Fine. P.O.D. You need an opener? I'll be in Los Angeles. Get P.O.D. Put Berserk on the bill. So I just escalated from there. Hey, I'm gonna open up for these guys. And then sometimes I go to one of their shows and one of the tour men go, hey man, I got a spot for you, but it's gonna be like two G's. Mm. Two G's, what? He go, yeah, it's two G's for 15 minutes. You get to do like five songs. Fuck, all right, man, let's do the thing. So I did it anyway. Not what I normally would do, but since it was such a good ass dude, it was on a tour. Uh-huh. So I paid the 2,000 bucks. But the whole thing about when you pay 2,000 bucks in Los Angeles, when you open up for bands, the promoters don't let you get your money back. Mm. It's like, I give you your money up front. The day of the show, let me make that back. No, nothing. They keeping that. And then they want ten percent of your merch. Huh? Yeah. It's right by here. It's a raw deal. It's right by here. So that's how I was developed a reputation for playing good shows for people. So I'm still 
playing for bands and stuff. I'm just trying to get me a headliner thing so I can headline the thing. Mm-hmm. But that costs a lot of money as well, too. So still to this day, I still piggy bank off bands, national bands to come to L.A. So after I did that, uh, the Jingle Man, they asked me, hey, Zoo, he sent me like 50 songs. He said, we need this for a commercial, for a Sprite commercial. Okay. So I go, he said, we got five days to write songs. So I got Sprite commercial over here, I got Sunburst over here, and I got a tissue commercial over here. So I write the jingles for the um, pushing people because it gets my left and right brain yeah. accuracy all the time. I like pressure, like I have to do these songs in a certain amount of time. So I go write me a Pepsi commercial for this guy, I go write me a Starbucks for this guy, I go write me a tennis shoe from that guy. So I throw them out there. Mm-hmm. So the publishing people, when it goes to the, for the marketing people, mm-hmm. they throw them out there and they get picked up. So I, two days ago, one of my songs got picked up for the game, TV show The Game. Yep. Then my other song got picked up for All-American Homecoming. Then my other song got picked up for 24 Fitness. So when you go on 24 Fitness working out, you hear my song up in the speakers. And another one got picked up for Walmart. That's awesome. Yeah, nice. so that's how I, they call me the jingle man. I'll give you a jingle yeah. and put the songs out there. Yeah. Well, tell me about that process a little bit. You said that you like, you like pressure, you like being under like a time clock kind yeah, exactly. of. Like, how do you go from, you know, day one to day five to like producing something like that? Like, where do you find yourself? Okay, so like uh, one of the processes is I get all the songs, right? So my brain goes left to right at the same time. So if I get a song that you need a song for a tennis shoe commercial, I play the beat on the song, and then I just let it sit there, and then I go take a walk and go play basketball. So I listen to the beat in my head. So when I get back from playing basketball, the words come out, bang, it just start coming out. I never guess myself, ever. If the song is what it's gonna be, when I write it down, I go boom. So I do that song, I go marinate, I go to sleep, I come back in the morning, I play another song, I hear it turn it off, I go to work, I come back six hours later, boom, it comes to me, bop, 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 bop. So I got five songs. Mm-hmm. So after I listen to the five songs, I go take a walk in my car, and I just memorize them, memorize them. Then when I go in the studio, I go push play, I do five songs in an hour and 50 minutes. Then he takes the song and masks them, send them back to the studio place. So I wait 30, 13 more days until they send me another batch. Mm-hmm. So it's the same process I do in my songs too. I write a song down and a melody, and then I write it down. But it takes a little longer with the band because I have to get them all together. But the pressure for a company to write with, I just bring them out. Okay. Yeah. So it never really feels like pressure to you. It sounds like you start the process. You just live life. Exactly. And, and it comes. It, it sounds like it comes to you very naturally. Yeah. Like so you, you kind of like feel the beat yeah, and you hear exactly. it. And then, I don't ever like to force anything because I feel that. I was born with it. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I took this work ethics from Prince. Cause one day uh, Prince used to have a, a club here in Los Angeles called uh, the Purple Ring. Okay. So we got him to ask us to open up for him on his birthday. Okay. So when we opened up for Prince on his birthday, he came backstage and told me, whatever you do, man, write, 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 if you don't feel like it. I ain't seen him since then. Mm. So ever since then, that's what I do. I just write. I got a whole Bible. Words that I never used before, I just, I just write. It's like a, a natural kind of thing where I don't really have to force it or I hear a beat, beat or something. Mm-hmm. I, I just just write. That's good advice. I yeah. mean, like like in that repetition, that's gonna like just be embedded in your process. Yeah, because like. if you're an artist, 
Uh, I learned that if you're an artist, you should be good at everything, not just one thing. So that's why I dabble in reggae, trap music, dubstep, house and bass, rock, and hip hop. Because to me, that's what an artist is. He, he does everything and, and be good at it. Like Prince, you see him do a pop album, then you see him do a jazz album. He was just good at everything. So I picked up those work techniques from him, just just be good at it. Yeah. Because you only got so much time here to uh, live. Just like he wrote all those songs and what Warner Brothers do, they went and killed him for his catalog because they wanted all the old songs that he haven't even put out. Mm. Better off dead as an artist, as a living one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's such, well, a, that's such a shame to hear those stories. Yeah. You know? All facts, yep. same as Michael Jackson. What do they want? Catalog. Mm. What they want from R. Kelly? Catalog. He made more money dead than alive. That sucks. Yeah. Catalogs is like royalty, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of want to hear about how you found, you know, Rage Against the Machine and Linkin Park. Like, do you remember, like, when you first heard that music? Because that's a big jump from, like, the church music that you grew up on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, when was that? When did that bug bite you? Like, when did you first hear, like, that rock sound that you uh, like? When I first heard the Rage song, uh, we was on the road. And uh, every time, everybody know I like music, different music. So my boy came in and put on the Rage video, uh, Bulls on Parade. Okay. With the with the rock and the fucking hip-hop beats. That was the first song I ever heard was uh, Bulls on, on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. So he said all these bands... From that thing is all new metal. So after I looked at the Rage Against the Machine, it just trickled down Lincoln Park, uh, fucking uh, Limp Bizkit. Yeah. All these bad in my veins, System of the Down. Mm-hmm. They all got that grip. Yeah, you just fell in love with it. Right up my shit. Run DMC really started that whole shit. Hmm. Run DMC and Beastie Boys. So everything from there, it's always, it was a duplicate. Like Public Enemy to me is the same as Rage Against the Machine. Hmm. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine to me is the same as NWA, but with the hip hop beats. Same kind, the same grit. Yeah. yeah. The similarities that you find like in those like artists and like those genres, like people try to labeling like categorize like artists or like brand them like so hard and that's like a a selling point sure but they've got so many like similarities and like so much like connection Mm -hmm. like i think that's that's special that's important as an artist for you to grow to see those those connections to see those veins you know i just think music is just repeatedly over and over through you through me somebody already did it we just duplicated in our version of what we think it is it's the same shit Mm-hmm. You can't do like Miles Davis say. You, you can't go higher than what it already is. It's just what it is, and you duplicate it different. Everybody interpret it like you read something on the paper. How you doing today? How you doing today? How you doing? We all interpret some kind of way. Same as music. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite um, artists and uh, a big influence of mine, Wayne Shorter. He says something like, "Originality is just a combination of past influences." Yes, sir. Yeah, we're all taking from different things yeah, exactly. that we've heard and seen. And yep. That, we, that inspires yeah. us and that yeah. we like. Yeah. What, what makes it new is your DNA, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've never done it before. I so agree. that's what. Yep. You gotta try, you gotta put it out there. Yeah, uh, uh, uh. Dust off the mic, huh? You're not ready. Check one, two, spit them out like spaghetti. Chop a million, million pieces with a machete. Throw it up in the air, fall not like a Betty. I'm brilliant. Messing my magnificent, terrific, intelligent. 
Don't get it twisted, twisted, got it, get it, got it, when I spit it, it. The whole world get twisted. Oh, my Muhammad Ali. You cannot beat me like the suckers out the box. You cannot beat me, there be none after me. You cannot beat me. I be the greatest. I be the greatest. I'm smooth, groove, boom, like smoke. Bip, bip, like rope on the dope. How many times I gotta say it? How many times you gotta play it? I'm on Muhammad Ali. You cannot beat me like the suckers out the box. You cannot beat me, there be none after me. I be the greatest. I be the greatest. I be the greatest. Well, I want to hear about um, about Prince because that's a very big influence for me as well. But I'll be a hundred percent honest. I wasn't uh, I wasn't into Prince when I first heard him, man. And it was it was overplayed in my household. My mom and my sisters, every car ride, every trip to the grocery store, um, driving to school, like anywhere, is just always all Prince, Prince all, all day, all Prince. <laughs> and you talked about your first yeah. concert experience. My first concert experience is something that like a lot of people would like find amazing. But me as a kid, I didn't really like see that much about it. But Mm -hmm. Prince's musicology tour, I saw him first in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I'm Uh from. And that's the first concert that I've ever been to. And I I must have been like uh, 11 or 12, Uh you know, and um I was not as excited as the rest of my family to like go. I was just like, all right, well, this is just a family event. Like we're all going to it. And, you know, I don't know if it was just being like a, like a teenage boy, like what it was. I just Mm -hmm. like, um, I kind of steered away from it. Uh, I wanted to find my own thing. I Uh leaned heavily into instrumental jazz. So like John Coltrane, Charlie Parker, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, Wayne Shorter, those guys are what I was like drawn to. I was kind of trying to find my own like voice, you know, now that I'm an adult, I'm like, man, I was nuts to like not (laughs) think anything about this. Like, this is crazy. Like, wish you can go back in time. Man, I've got so much appreciation for him. And, um, and it took that long, like for me, you know, to come back around to it. Always been into, um, you know, funk music. I grew Mm. up with like the earth, wind and fire, the Ohio players, the gap band, um, that was like some of the stuff that my dad used to listen to. Uh-huh. Obviously, Michael Jackson, you know, from Jackson 5 when he was a kid up to yeah. an adult. Uh, but yeah, Prince, because it was so overplayed. Yeah. I just like, eh, I pushed it away, man. But now, yeah, uh, I kind of want to hear about how he was an influence for you, like um, like, like what he did for your music. And, uh, you know, did you like it when you first heard it? Like When I first heard Prince, the first album, uh, uh What's it called? Prince for You. When he played uh, Sexy Dancing. Okay. When they took it to Warner Brothers, the man manager said, hey, this is a band called Prince. And they go, okay. And come to find out all the instruments he played. I go, what the fuck? <laughs> he thought it was a whole band. It was just Prince played 12 instruments on the whole album. I go, God dang wow. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I it was a band. So ever since then, I was thinking the same thing. I need to get my work ethics just like that to be able to do everything. I can't play instrument, but I can play instruments on a on a on a phone or a tape recorder on how a song should go. Mm-hmm. Like I like I write a song and every day just like Prince doing something creative with music, putting it out there in the universe, even if nobody don't hear it or not. Mm-hmm. And staying disciplined, not doing dumb shit outside of work or of your music or getting tabloids with she never seen not one tabloid about Prince did some fuck shit. Never once, but once he died, everybody come out and say stupid stuff he did. Mostly, everybody always say that Prince 
you have to look down on the floor when you come into the room, what you got there from James Brown kind of yeah. thing. Other than that, his work ethic is A1, so I try to category myself off with Prince, uh, music-wise, diversity sound, yeah. and uh, work ethics and touring. Yeah. yeah, I'd rather just stay on the road and not come back and, and get a job. So one time I go on tour, stayed on the road for like six months. When the money rolls out, what you gotta do? Get back in hustle mode. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just do it for a living. So my hustle mode is the writing them jingles and doing bouncer work kind of thing. Uh, play at your birthday party or graduation. So you you love touring, and you've had it. Sounds like you've had an opportunity to tour with some pretty yeah. pretty amazing artists, yeah. both both in hip hop. Exactly. And with the band. Yeah. Is there one that you prefer doing more than the other? Uh, I'd rather do the band more. Yeah. Because these days, when I go do the hip hop, it's mostly, they just want you to bring in an MP3. Yeah. And just stand there. To me, I like the hip hop, but it doesn't have the same energy as, as, as a band live. Because on the hip hop, you put in an MP3 and a DJ in the back. <laughs> Kind of thing after two songs, it's like, but with the band, the energy, soon you play, you, you could just feel the vibrations of, of the instruments and yourself into the audience kind of thing, and that gets all into it. Yeah, The hip hop does it too, as long as you got a good sound system and the vibration, but to me, I like the band why it's more energetic with, with, the, um, with the people. Yeah, You can interact, to me, more better than with the hip hop. There's an exchange of energy yes. between you and the other musicians, you know? Yeah. Like when you're on stage, there's mm-hmm. like a feeling when you connect with like another um, instrument, you connect with like yeah. another like player on the stage. Yeah. like Feeding off each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mostly I like about the band is like, you go to see a show, You say you're going to see Rage Against Machine, then you got us on at uh, 8.30. Ain't nobody in there, maybe like 2,000 people, they just stand around talking. And the whole thing I like about that is, Everybody's there to see the main band. They got there early, and then they go say, "Who the fuck is Berserk?" Second song, they, oh, mm-hmm. third song. Everybody started my feel without even knowing. That's what I like. You go in a blank place that you don't know, and all of a sudden, everybody likes your music. The people that you didn't know. Then after you get off the stage, you got like five, nine people at your merch table wanting to buy your merch and getting your emails. I, I love that feeling. Just going there shocking people that you never heard before and they finally say, we love your music. And you see them at the end of the show with your hat and your gear on. Your yeah, name's cool. Zoo, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that feeling. That's really cool. Yeah. Let me hear a little bit about some of the, the challenges as a, as a band leader because I know, like, you mentioned that, like, first you couldn't get um, the guys you wanted to to yeah. play the style of music that you wanted. Exactly. You had to kind of, like, create your own and then put your stuff out there and, like, mm-hmm. recruit people. But yeah, I know it's, it's not easy, like keeping a band together, writing the music, yeah. like organizing me, a tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, I tell you both sides. With the hip hop, I write the songs, put it on MP3, get it mastered, get your boy the DJ, bam, that's it. Ain't got to worry about nobody else. Easy. I ain't got to call Marcus and Tom. Y'all available? Okay, that's the good side of the hip hop. Hey man, they want you on tour, go to London. They need you to do five songs off pacement. Hey, I can just get me and my DJ, MP3, let's go. Easy, right? Mm-hmm. With the band. Hey man, they want us to play in Seattle five songs for four days. Let me call the wife. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's our anniversary <laughs> on the 30th. I know, man, but this is the band. What are you doing? 
No, my wife gonna be mad. We got an anniversary. <laughs> That's the one for come with the guitar player, the bass player. Hey man, what's up, man? I need to go on a tour of Seattle six days. You you with it? Man, my little boy is sick. What? The little boy is sick. There's variables, oh, man. man. There's variables. <laughs> hey, there's <dude>. family. Yeah. <laughs> there's things. Call the fucking drummer. Hey, God, they want us to Seattle six days. You coming? No, man, for real. You coming? You all have for quiet. I'm about to get engaged. <laughs> uh, hey, man. So me, I get all frustrated. Hey, man, why you guys keep acting like y'all musicians and y'all acting like music is a hobby secondary? They go, fuck you, Zoo. <laughs> Music ain't everything. We got a life outside of here that ain't paying bills. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. I'm asking them to play in my band as a musician and guitar player and a bass player. And every time it's a something they gotta do. So that's why when you see Berserk, you just see my face. Because my team in the band changes like the NBA basketball players. Sure, sure. Okay. Yep. And I can't get mad at them for that because everybody got important things to do. It's my journey, mm -hmm. and I'm asking him to journal my journey. So I used to get mad for like five years. All these fucking guys, hey, you want to play in the band? No, I'm getting a fiance. Mm -hmm. You play in the band? No, man, we're going to China. So I, I just got tired of that. So I learned to deal with when people is doing your vision and your journey, can't get mad at them. So we in Los Angeles. What's in Los Angeles? Tons of motherfuckers want to play music. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what I do, I go look for the tons of motherfuckers want to play music and go find them. So, hey, bass player, you want to play in the band? We playing going to Seattle. No, nah, man, that's cool. Let me call somebody else. <laughs> Everyone's hey, <man>. replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought your bass player. I bought a friend from you, and I got a drummer over there. Let's put it together. As long as the people see a good entertainment and music sound good, that's all they fucking really care about. And they see my face on the thing. So my face is like, the NBA. So when mm -hmm. you see NBA, what you see? The logo, the brand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm the brand. So I don't get frustrated no more. You say you got your girlfriend, your wife say you can't go. That's cool, I just call somebody else. There's no hard feelings between them or me. It's my dream, it's my vision. I have to make it happen. Yeah. So it's no excuse if they don't want to play or not. So I, you got me in Pittsburgh, I'll be there. Don't worry about all the other stuff. So that's the only thing with the band complication. Now, the other complication might come, since I do all the writing, I don't have an issue. Sometimes when you get people in the band, he wrote the song, mm -hmm. and you wrote the song, we wrote collaborators together, now we ain't the band no more, now the song's just sitting there because- You can't use it. You tripping off 30%, you tripping off 30%, like, oh yeah. shit, now I'm fucked. So I can't play your song no more? No, because me and all three of us broke up together. That's yeah. one issue too, but that's not my issue because I write all my songs. There you go. So if we do collaborate with a song, as soon as you write the song, right here on the spot where everything is going good, what would we do? You go to ask out, put down 50% you wrote, you put down 50% you wrote. So if this band happens to break up, we still wrote the song, you still get your credit. So we won't be tripping on each other down the road, okay? So I sit there, go man, where are you, where you at? Ask out, okay, write it down. You wrote 50%, write yep. it down, you wrote 50%. Now in the studio, when we go in the studio, since I asked you guys to play in my band, I'm the band leader, I'll pay for everything. So you won't be tripping. Hey, before Zoo got famous, you owe me rounds in the studio, no, I'll pay for everything. That's how I handle my situation because I'm the band, it's my band, it's my vision. So that's how I get rid of most of the headaches. So I pay for everything, I give you your writer's credit. If you are busy on tour doing something else, I just get somebody else and just keep it moving. 
Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's how you got to keep it alive sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Instead of sitting there, hey, man, you don't want to play no more. The band's not no more. Oh, man. I always go, I put my seed out there in the energy for opportunities. So if opportunities ever come, they're always coming. I just always got to be ready. It just give me enough time to get it together to go. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about what's inspiring you today. Like, um, I know you mentioned like a lot of artists like uh, from back in the day, like yeah. the funk groups and all of that, mm-hmm. um, George Clinton, all the rap groups. But is there anybody out like today who's like inspiring you? Like, tell me. Hell no. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You heard me. Have you turned on the radio? Yeah, man. I'm a wedding (sighs) DJ. I I try to stick to podcasts these (laughs) days. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Y'all remember when when K Rock played all the good bands? Sister Mother Down, Disturbed, Fishburn. Every band had a grit and an identity. That's not now. I listen to the radio, try to keep my ear in. Every blue moon I might listen to the radio because I avoid news at all times. So I go hit to KLRS One or K K Rock. Everything's watered down in booty. (laughs) Booty. (laughs) I mean, it's down to the simplest core of so simplified. I don't listen to the shit. So I just listen to my old shoe, old school. I listen to System of Down, Lincoln Park. Raising Kiss Machine, Disturb. I still listen to that. That's my inspiration. When I go do an album, I go watch one of their videos. I go watch the Jimmy Hendrix video. I go watch Nirvana before they start the videos. Then I just get fired up again. I go, look at that crowd, listen to that music. Yeah. I just put that same shit in my music. To, my, to this day, my music is just like that. Gritty, hard, in your face, and don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't like listen. like you said, berserk. You yeah. know, that's all you need to know, right? I'll listen to nothing else besides old school stuff, nothing new. Hip hop's the same way. Okay. I can name three artists that I listen to now. Uh Das, uh Das Effects, Buster Rhymes and Karis One, everybody else. Sure. My hip hop's the same way too. I did a collaboration with Old Dirty Bastard. He died before George Clinton, which George Clinton did all the drugs in the world. And old Dodi Bastard died for cocaine. Terrible. So they say cocaine. I actually think they wanted his catalog because he gave us tons of warning when he was here. Hey, man, they y'all don't see me no more. They trying to kill me. He gave us warning. So I stayed friend with his, with his son. So me and his friend, me and his son did a song called The Brooklyn Zoo. That's on, on Planet Zoo, that my hip-hop record, Brooklyn Zoo. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us about some projects that you're working on right now and some music, new music that might be released. Yeah, so with the On Planet Zoo, my solo project, I got a joint called West Cola. So what I did was I took this East Coast rapper and a West Coast rapper we got together and just did straight hip-hop beat and lyrics. That's it. We kept it real guttery and did it in the neighborhood over in South Central. And then I got another song coming out. It's called Jerk. It's a club banger. Okay. Nothing but just dancing because to me, when you go to the clubs, they ain't no playing no bangers no more. It's garbage too. Go to the club, they playing Kayla Swift, really? <laughs> Y'all really, this Taylor Swift is the shit right here? <laughs> we're, we're gonna upset the Swifties. Oh, man. <laughs> That's all right. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they're tuning in. I'm not a fan. <laughs> like I tell everybody else, you can't like everything. I like green beans and corn, but I don't like cabbage. That don't mean I'm a hater. I just don't like it. Taylor Swift is, is not my, it don't get me going. She's singing about relationships her whole life. And it's happy go lucky. That's not my shit. So I wrote a song called Jerk. Most of my songs is from an inspirational point of what I need to fix. So instead of complaining about what's 
nasty, you don't like it or something. So I write a song about it to help it. So I wrote a, a club banger called Jerk that's coming out in November. On my Zerk, Berserk project, called up Lip Biscuit. Hey, dude, let me uh, do one of your songs. He said, you want to do a joint? He go, yeah. So I remixed the break stuff. Oh, okay. So I, I did it in, in the Berserk way. That's out right now. It's called uh, Break Stuff from Berserk. People get my name mixed up. It's a European band out there called Berserk. It's B-E-R. That's not me. Okay. Mine's is in the neighborhood. I'm Berserk. B-A-Z-U-R-K. B-A-Z-U-R-K. Yeah, because people you. keep spelling it Berserk. No, it's Berserk. Gotcha. So we did a song called uh, Break Stuff. Then I got another song called, I just wrote this called Ali. Uh, came from inspiration that uh, no matter what the trials and tribulations is, I'm still greater, greater than my other problems, greater than everybody else that's greater than my own problem. Cause you only for this moment. So the song's called Ali and I'm great. Did you forget how great you are? So I, that's an affirmation to myself. Yeah. I'm the greatest. So I got that out and uh, got an album coming. I haven't put it out yet. I like to do singles. I don't like just putting up nine singles. Okay. So you go to Spotify right now and Berserk put out a single. What do you do? So what? I never heard these motherfuckers. Why I'm giving out nine songs you never heard of me? Right, right, right. So what I do, my singles that I put out is like information, information, like it's a letter. Mm -hmm. Who was that? Get some build up and some momentum over there. So I might put out a song this year just for the momentum to get streams. You don't need to hear all 11 songs you never heard of me. Every Tuesday and Friday, 20,000 songs on Spotify. Yeah. Most of them, who give a fuck? <laughs> Never heard of you. Yeah, yeah. Right? So why would I put 11 songs out there and you ain't heard of me? Do you, you feel like you get a much better return on your investment? I'll go send you a song. I'll go put that shit out on every radio. I'll put the video out until you get tired of it. And when I feel that you get tired of it, then I give you another single. Yeah. <laughs> or I only tour where the thing was hitting at. I don't just go to Virginia and Pittsburgh. Nobody heard of me. If nobody heard of you on the internet, nobody heard of you physically either. So I don't go there. So I only go where the tour is, where the single is cracking at, or if another band's national band come in town, I do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, like Prince said, work smart. Don't be giving out all your shit. Like Prince, when, you, when Prince was living, you only could find him on one platform to get his music. He had so much money, he wasn't giving your shit to Spotify. He wasn't giving to Tidal. It's one platform only you can find his music. He said, don't just be giving your music out there where you just like water and saturate. Anybody can just go find you. You go make it worth something. Mm -hmm. Like when I do a show, it has to be worth something or value or some interest or build up a buzz like it's a big entertainment kind of thing. Cause I don't want to be one of the band. You can just go see me down the street, work for it. Come and yeah. see my, I'm some type of value yeah, build, build it up. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's why you won't be seeing 30 songs out there from Berserk on Tuesdays. It's just like going to the beach. Hey, man, want to check out my CD? It's the same shit on Spotify. You at the bottom of the list with all these other dudes, Bob and Tony and Mike. Mm -hmm. you no. Know? <laughs> so what happens is I'm just putting out the break stuff and uh, the single Ali for a while until I get on the road. There you go. That, that's my main goal right now. Okay. Yeah. But I'm still recording, but I just haven't put it up. Remember, I always be recording. If you need a jingle, holler at your jingle man. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, where can everybody find your music? You can find my music. You have to write this down. So I'm on all the 
platforms is B A Z E R K that's Berserk. On Instagram is Berserk Official. And on you want that hip hop trap reggae on Planet Zoo. Okay. Well I gotta check out all of that stuff, man. I listen to a lot of your stuff coming in, but like yeah. mm-hmm. I haven't listened to the hip hop stuff on, on Planet Zoo. I haven't seen you guys at a show either. All right. Hey, when when is the next there, show? What kind of, When's what the kind next of show? shit is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know you guys at the time. I, I give you an invitation. So my next show is going to be over here in Hollywood, but I'll, I haven't booked a date yet. I have to build up the momentum. Everything is right now. It's just our release all the way up into January. So I'm just riding off of that, just milking that Berserk CD and that other song called Jerk come on until uh, I pick up a show or something. Yeah. Right now, I, I'm pitching out to do a show on any artist that's coming through LA or, or leaving out of town. I just gotta see if it's feasible to do. Okay. Kind of thing. Yeah. Well, well, let, yeah. Let us let us know when the next one is. We'll be there. Yeah. Absolutely. We'd yeah. love to come see you. Yeah. My shows is kind of bananas, man. Stage diving off the stage, take your clothes off, bring your guitar, and sing along with the song. It's just all crowd related kind of thing. Cause I like feeding off people's energy, dude. People, I don't see that no more. Mm. I'm like an old school guy to do man. That's it. Yeah. You need more of that, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Zoo. Well, thanks, man, so much for being on the podcast. Glad to be here, man. Really appreciate you, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. <laughs>